I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode eight of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. Hey, everybody. Today we are talking about the question, how much is enough? How much is enough? When we thought of this question, we honed in on two specific answers. One related to stuff, how much is enough stuff in your life? And the other related to financial, how much is enough money Hmm. to retire, to live on, Um, And so that is going to be in a future podcast. But today we are talking about stuff. Yeah. And this is all based around not only what you need to survive, but to thrive and have balance in your life in meaningful ways and the ways that matter. For us, we had this concept of living a more minimalistic life. And we're going to tell you the story about how this came into our life and what we did to create it in our life how you can if you're interested in it, or maybe you just want to hear about our story and what happened in order to make this um, plausible. Yeah, including a story we'll get to later where uh, I don't go there very often, but I had to go sort of um, sort of mobster on somebody. <laughs> it's really funny. And then he and then he laughed afterwards. But anyways, it wasn't funny at the time, but you'll hear about that later. <laughs> right. So let's dive in. Minimalism is a really hot topic, and I think it's misunderstood by so many people because it's out there a lot. And I think a lot think that in order to be a minimalist, you have to have 40 items or you have to count all the items in your Mm. home or whatever it is. But I think it's more about living intentionally. Mm -hmm. What do you need in your life that you use is functional and is intentional? Yeah. So versus, you know, there being some... I don't know, sort of bar you have to pass that you're not a minimalist unless you have no more than 40 items and you live in a tiny home, right? right? (laughs) Which we had looked at tiny houses. Dave would never go into that. But I actually would love living in a tiny house. She loves the idea of living in a tiny house, but... (laughs) No. We went to a tiny home show. I don't know if Mm -hmm. anyone has ever been to one. Mm Mm-hmm. I had so much fun, although there wasn't a lot of space for you to tour them because it was a tiny house. Yeah, you could like one person could go in at a time and that was it. And this was pre-COVID because right now, like, forget it. This would not happen. You can't even physically social distance with two people in a tiny house. You can, but some of them are amazing. (laughs) They're cool to look at. Yes, they are, Nancy. Or to live in. (laughs) Maybe maybe it's in our future. Retirement. Yes. Okay. She's. I think she's joking, but she does keep bringing it up every so often that I, I'm not entirely sure. We'll just have to see. Time will tell. So we're going to talk about our story. In a previous podcast, we talked about the house we used to live in, which we loved when mm-hmm. we purchased it. We thought it was the American dream. It was a great size, lots of space, great neighborhood. But there was a moment when, and, and it was myself that induced this, but um, it was just too much house. For Nancy. For me. <laughs> <laughs> we were um, living this lifestyle and I felt like I was just constantly cleaning. So it happened one day, the summer of 2018, 
and um, I had a day off and I spent the whole day cleaning. And there was this anxiety and this overwhelming feeling I was having. I was dealing with a lot at work and home balance and just family life. And it got to be so much. And then Dave came home and I had been thinking about this all day. I had been um, looking up minimalism for a long time. She'd been talking about this topic off and on for a period of months. And I, and I think the first time she ever brought up the idea of her maybe being not so satisfied with the house and even entertaining the idea that we might need to move. I, oh man, I, I, I think I reacted pretty defensively and was like, what are you talking about? Why would we move? This place is amazing. It was like, it was not good. It was not good. Right. But she, uh, she didn't sort of let it go though. Right. But she, she kind of knew like not to bring it up every day because it would just sort of end in an argument or, you know, me getting emotional somehow. But it was right after we had put us, we put an attachment onto the house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. The house started off as like, it was like a 2,800 square foot four bedroom house. So it was, you know, a pretty good sized house, but then we actually made it bigger. Right. We added a sunroom space. We had finished off the basement. Mm-hmm. It ended up being close to 4,800 square feet. Mm. Too much for three people, mm-hmm. um, in our minds anyway. Maybe not for some people, but for us. Well, and we even we were intending on having a bigger family, and that didn't end up being in the cards for us. And that'll be another podcast down the road to tell that story. But mm-hmm. uh, for just the three of us, wow, <laughs> it was just it- unnecessary. Yeah. And interestingly enough, it was actually suffocating, which sounds counterintuitive because there was so much space, but Mm -hmm. it felt like I was just under my stuff. And so I had cleaned the whole day. Dave comes home from work and I just looked at him and I said, I can't do this anymore. We have to get out of here. I need to get out of here. And he, you know, we talked about it a little bit and he said, okay, like, what do, what do we need to do mm-hmm. to make sure it's the right decision? And I said, I just think we need to look, you know, let's mm-hmm. just look at some other houses. Let's, we'll get a feeling. We'll know what to do once we see a house that we love or an area that we love. And so, um, he at least entertained it for mm-hmm. a little bit because I was having such, um, a moment, just a breakdown really. Um, yeah. And an interesting thing just, it relates to the size house we had, um, you know, we'll have family visit from out of town pretty often, but really we only needed like one extra bedroom for that. And by this point, the house was like, I think it was like six bedrooms mm-hmm. that we ended up at. Mm-hmm. And so there were rooms, there were whole rooms in the house, especially bedrooms that we never physically went in. And I don't know how many of you might remember the first Batman movie in the 80s with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, but there's this really funny scene where Michael Keaton, who's Bruce Wayne, is having dinner with Kim Basinger, who is uh, Vicki Vale, mm-hmm. and they're in Wayne Manor, and then they're in this huge gothic dining room at this like 25-foot-long table, and they're at either end of this really long table just sipping on soup, and Vicki Vale looks at him, and she's like, do you like eating in here? And she's kind of looking around, and he's like, Batman, Bruce Wayne is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, like, I like eating in here, and he, he kind of looks around, and he's like, you know, I don't think I've ever actually been in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Ours definitely wasn't that big, but there were rooms that when I would go in there to clean, because the bedding hadn't been used in so long, there was a layer of dust on the bedding. And mm-hmm. I was just, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, plus we had a, an office, plus we had an exercise room, plus we had an additional family room in the basement, mm-hmm. a game room, and a, an extra bathroom. I mean, just all this, all this space. I think another thing was just the number of dining room tables we had 
There was like Places three or eat. there was like three or four dining room tables, and there was like pretty much one that we used all the time, and the right. other ones would just sort of sit there. Uh, yeah. yeah, thinking about it gives me anxiety even <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Um. So fast forward, we end up finding a house that we both agreed on, mm-hmm. and we loved the area, and we ended up moving, and it ended up being about half the size of our old house, and it worked out great. But obviously that leads to the stuff. Mm. There's so much stuff. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. We're just going to go through a little bit of how we downsized this very large area. And maybe you can start small if you're interested in doing anything like this. Yeah, you don't have to go to the extreme we went to, but there's some measure of this that any of you could find beneficial. Right. We start in the kitchen. We looked at pots, pans, all of those things. And it's so interesting. And you'll probably find this. Maybe you'll relate to this. We had pots and pans that had been from our wedding. And um, we've now been married, what, 13 years? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Nancy. 13. Oh, I had the benefit of pausing as you were saying that to do Thir- the math in my head. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> 13 Thank you. Years. Thank you. 13 years. <laughs> and so when we were going through this, we were married 11 years. And so that meant that a lot of our pots and pans were 11 years old. And you know those pots and pans that you just can never get clean and you just keep them because they're a really good brand? Hmm. Well, we had those. And we would go to cook and decide not to use it because it was so annoying to clean or because Mm -hmm. it wasn't clean to begin with. And we would put it back. Yeah. It would just sort of stay in the drawer and be looked at every now and then when the drawer would open and then it would just... Like, Go what back in, in the there. world? Why yeah. do we keep it? I don't yeah. know. So those types of things. We had mismatched plates. Um, we got china for our wedding, mm-hmm. which we loved. But then guess what? We had to buy a hutch to keep the china in. And then did, did the china ever come out of the hutch? Never. No. <laughs> it <laughs> just kind of sat there. Once. Never yeah. once. Yeah. So actually, um, just a little side note, we actually use our china every day in our new house. Yeah. Like in our house now. Yeah, we so, got rid of all the other all the other plates and everything is we're just like well might as well use the china why do we got every day is fancy in our house yeah what what day what occasion are we waiting for to use this that somebody are we gonna impress some visitor with our china or something (laughs) right so we use it all the time and and it's awesome i mean it 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 is fancy but it it's serving its purpose it's functional Mm -hmm. and at least we're using it Mm -hmm. um the other thing oh my gosh this panini maker so <laughs> the panini maker for Nancy was symbolic of the excess of kitchen gadgetry. We had so we had so many. And just because you have this space doesn't mean you have to fill it with stuff. But we mm-hmm. had a lot of cabinet space in this particular house in the kitchen. We got this panini maker. Mm-hmm. The very first time we got it, we were so excited to use it. And again, a lot of you can probably relate to the KitchenAid mixer, the panini maker. I don't know. Maybe you have a George Foreman grill. I don't I don't know what else. There is endless novelty with kitchen gadgetry. It's kind of amazing. There is it. Yeah. We would use it. The first time we got it, I think we used it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it just became a kitchen counter, I don't know, decoration. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was nice looking and it sat there and just sat. Right. And then it went under the sink into the cabinet. And I was like, why are you putting that in the cabinet? Like I was going to use it. And she's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen you use it in weeks. So it goes into the cabinet. And then, of course, it's a pain to get out, right? So you don't take it out because then you have to clean it. And this part has to be cleaned a certain way. And then you have to drain it, yada, yada. And um, there are so many of these items in our kitchen. Mm -hmm. The Jacqueline juicer. Mm. 
<laughs> Jack Lalane. Yeah, he was like the infomercial juicer, like the 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 like the the bleeding edge of like the smoothie movement. Except his was like the juicer. Right, and yeah. I wanted it so badly. My mm-hmm. uh, my sister got it for us for our wedding, mm-hmm. and it worked amazingly. We used it a lot, mm-hmm. but when it comes down well, to for it, a, for a while we did for a while. Yeah. What it comes down to it is um, the juicer, and a lot of juicers are like this, is that it takes the pulp, which is the most nutritious part of the piece of fruit. Or vegetable or whatever, yeah. And it sucks it into this center, um, like pilot hole type Mm -hmm. of thing. And all of it is just in there. And so you can put in like three pints of strawberries and a pound of grapes and an apple and some kale. And you will end up with like an ounce of juice. Yeah. And then you get this pile of pulp that looks disgusting. It's like, what do you do with it? Do you compost it? I mean, what, you're not going to probably eat uh, it. So instead of like a smoothie or a or like a blender. Right. A blender. Just, just keeps a blender. it all. It just keeps it all, right? Which is what we use now. And it blender. reminds me of my, you know, if anybody's a Jim Carrey fan out there, he did, he was on In Living Color early in his career. And he does a fantastic little skit called the juice weasel that's basically a spoof of jack lane but if you like jim carrey it's like the funniest thing ever it is really funny we, <laughs> we can't even repeat it because this is a family show <laughs> it's funny <laughs> but it's funny um the other thing so moving on from the kitchen that will give you an idea about how to separate the kitchen uh the next thing was the vhs tapes and the photos so mm-hmm. we personally use legacy box legacy box was awesome mm-hmm. i was super nervous about sending in all of these prized possession photos mm-hmm. But the coolest thing was they give you back a memory stick. Mm -hmm. All of the photos are obviously yours, and now they're digital. We ended up sending it to each family member. So now my brother has a copy and his wife. My sister has a copy and her husband. Mm -hmm. My parents have a copy. We have a copy. So if you ever want to look back on these family photos, they were all at my house. Mm -hmm. And so they can't see them. We can't share them. Mm. They were just being stored. Yeah. We just had, Nance had boxes and boxes of old family photos and tapes. Like, and, and that was the idea was wanting to get rid of all of these boxes of stuff that could fit on one little, little memory stick. Right. And And to be shared. Yeah. So we also have it on the cloud. I think we use Dropbox. And so anytime somebody is looking for something, we can just send them a link to the Dropbox and they can find it themselves. Right. And then, uh, Nance's parents had their 50th wedding anniversary recently, and it was really handy to do a slideshow for them because all the photos were already scanned electronically, and it made that really easy. Right. It it was a really, really neat thing. So it takes time and it takes some money, but the end result is just great. I mean, we got Mm -hmm. rid of so much stuff, so many boxes, and now we're trimmed down to these nice little memory sticks. Same yeah. thing with VHS. Now they can digitally convert them. Yeah, same I did thing. the same thing with some funny old um, high school little funny videos that, that me and some buddies did. And I got those converted onto a... Onto Which we don't even own a VHS, so it's not like we can even play them. Right, right, right. Yeah, we just had somebody do it. It was right. great. Yeah. yeah. So that was a really great service. Mm-hmm. Next area to focus in on would be closets. I can speak for Dave and myself and say that everything in our closet is... It fits us well. We're comfortable and confident in it. We would choose it any day of the week, and we like how it looks. It's in style. It's in style. Mm -hmm. Every single thing in our closet. So there's nothing in here that would be, um, that we'd pull out and say, oh, not today. Mm -hmm. Everything fits. And I'll say that Nance probably three, four times a year. I do. Well, sort of 
prod me to be like, hey, we're going to go to the Goodwill or whoever, wherever, and the thrift store Arc. to donate yeah. some stuff or Ark. Anything you want to go through your closet? <laughs> <laughs> well, because you do, you, you yeah. I mean, we do races sometimes and you get t-shirts for random events and the t-shirt drawer. And yeah. you find your favorites, the ones that are really comfy and they fit well and they fall just right. Mm -hmm. And then there's so many of these other t-shirts that someone can use. Yeah. At one point I had so many t-shirts from different events. There was like a few of them that had kind of worn out a little bit, but they were kind of I don't know, sort of sentimental to me, but Nance would like <laughs> sort of like hide them somewhere <laughs> just to true. see if I noticed they were gone. And then I think like a month or two ago, I'd be like, where's my blah, blah, blah t-shirt? And she's like, oh, dang it, you remembered it. <laughs> right. And I, I would never get rid of his stuff, which is, I think that's important message to, yeah. to send is that you never get rid of somebody else's stuff. Even our kiddo stuff, um, there's certain times where if I know that she hasn't played with it in a really long time and mm -hmm. it's past her age range, I'll get rid of it. But if it's something that, I'm questioning and sometimes she'll say, yeah, I don't play with it anymore. You can get rid of it, but it's important to not get rid of someone else's stuff. Yeah. And that is a trick even to use for yourself is to like, if you have a bunch of extra stuff and you're maybe in or on the fence, if you want to get rid of it and you kind of put it in a box or put it somewhere off to the side, mm -hmm. see if you really remember if it, what's even in that box or what, what, if it's even there, if you right. even notice, and if you do, okay, maybe pull it back out and put it back on the shelf, but right. more, more than likely you're going to even forget what you put in that box. That's one of the minimalist tricks, actually, that they mm. mention on their podcast mm. is to store everything up, the things that you don't use very often. And as you need them, remove them and give yourself 30, 60, 90 days. And if you haven't touched it, then that box just goes away mm -hmm. because you're obviously you don't miss it very much. Mm -hmm. But that's a good little trick. I, I had this story about this pair of pants and I'm going to talk about women's sizing because it's one of those things that I think for some reason no one ever talks about their size. I don't, I don't really care. I, like I said, in my other podcast, I don't really care anymore. <laughs> Not about myself or, I mean, I care about my health and I feel healthy, but I don't really care about that other stuff. Uh, but I had this pair of pants and I think it was more of a representation of where I was in the moment when I bought these pants. How long did you have the pants? I had them f 10 years, I think. Is that what we came up with? I was trying to remember. I think it was, it was like 10, 10, years. 10 to 15 years. <laughs> There's a pair of pants she had for 10 to 15 years, which isn't in and of itself necessarily bad, except right. for, you know, well, what go I'm, ahead. What I'm going to say. So um, they were from J. Crew, And at the moment, it was it was probably leading back to that episode number two podcast when I spent a lot of money on things that I couldn't afford. I think it was part of that era. It contributed to the credit card debt <laughs> that was a source of consternation early in our relationship, but is now a thing of the past. It's a thing of the past. <laughs> This pair of pants, it was they were over $100, which was really, it's pricey now, but it's even more expensive at that time. Especially because you didn't have $100. I did not. <laughs> True. Thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> so this pair of pants um, fit really well at the time. They were a size six. Okay. Now, this was when I was in, um, in college, dental school, going into dental school, like in the late 90s, and um, they were a size six. Okay. I'm a size eight now. I will probably never be a six again. It's not in my DNA. Um, I'm healthy. I exercise. I eat well. It's just probably not going to happen. And this pair of pants, I think, represented this moment in time where I was confident in them, right? I was the size that I thought I should be. Mm -hmm. um, they, I felt confident. I felt good when I when I wore them. But when I tried them on again. 
10 plus years later. Well, then eventually you stopped wearing them. I stopped wearing them. Right? Yeah. When I tried them on 10 plus years later, I can get in them. Mm. You, you reached a point again. <laughs> so there's a period where you wouldn't fit in them very well. So that's why you didn't wear them. Right. 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 Or, or maybe because they were out of style. Right? Both. Both. Maybe a little bit. And then, and then finally, when we were going through our closet and we were downsizing, I tried them on and I was like, even if I did fit in these, I would never wear these. Like, look at the, the taper of them and the way that they fit. Even if they came in style, the style would be just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And it, it was pointless. They were and out of so, style. Could you tight roll those, like the, the bottom of the pants <laughs> for those people from the 90s that grew up in the 90s? You're so funny. No, I kinda, <laughs> no, no they're a flared leg. Thank you very much. They're a flared leg. Tight rolled jeans. At yeah. any event, um, I am sure that if you went through your closet, you may find these similar items. Things that you think might come back in style, I swear they're not going to. If they do, it's going to be a little bit of a different style. It's going to be a little bit of a different fit. And um, especially if they don't fit you, why mm-hmm. have things in your closet that remind you of your past? Mm. You're living in your present. Mm-hmm. Things in your closet should not remind you of your past. Yeah. It becomes like an heirloom and right. not like something you wear and use. Right. It just sits on the hanger. Exactly. I think for me with the closet uh, is I'll have, you know, various shirts with different kinds of prints. And then maybe I'll find myself at a store looking at clothes and I'll be attracted to buy a shirt. And the thing I always catch myself doing is being attracted to a shirt that looks very similar to one I already have. Right. And it's like. Wait, I have a shirt that looks almost just like that. And Same it's color and everything. And it's because occasionally I've actually bought one and I get home and I'm like, boy, I can't even really distinguish this shirt from the one next to it that much. Right. Um, so it's like, did I really need two of these? Or it's uh, on sale. I don't think so. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the minimalist, even if it's on sale, like, why don't even, don't do it. Yeah. The minimalist will say everything's on sale when you don't buy it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Even it's a, it'd be like a 10 or 20 or $40 I didn't need to spend because it was kind of wasteful. Right. Yeah. The next area of the house is the garage. I'm going to let Dave talk about this one because he loves this point. Yeah, so we talked in an earlier episode about the fun, interesting uh, marital experience we enjoyed and when we got some new storage cabinets for our garage and, and we had to kind of jockey for position about what we were going to put it in and where. Uh, but anyway, at, at the outcome of that, we then had a bunch of stuff we got rid of from the garage and whatever we couldn't uh, donate to ARC or, and or recycle – we just ended up with a whole bunch of excess um, things we needed to throw out. And so uh, I actually used one of those bagster things. I think they're like a waste management product, but it's one of those things where you get the bag at like Home Depot or something, and then you can unfurl the whole thing. And, it t- and it's like, I don't know, like maybe 10 feet long and five feet wide and two feet deep. And you just fill that thing with whatever you It fits you... a lot of stuff. It fits a lot of stuff. They don't like, um, you know, like oil and grease and anything sort of toxic that you need to take to a certain place. But... But anyway, that thing was amazing, and Nance is famously loves to purge, and she's like, "Oh, this thing's great. What else do we got to get rid of? Let's let's throw this in there." Like that's it, you because know. we do try to recycle. I yeah, we do, we do. But it was like yeah. it was really useful for purging stuff out of the garage, and then right. you set it out on the driveway. And and I will say that they gave us a three day window to pick it up, and and oh my gosh, they they picked like the very last afternoon of the last day of that three day window. So it I was had, seven to five for three days that they would possibly pick it out. So you had yeah. to at least leave it outside for those hours. You couldn't bring it in. You had to just leave it on your driveway, just kind of looking like a trash bin. So. And they came at 4.55 on the third day. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but they did come they and get it. They did yes. come and get it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So once you get all of your, your stuff together, sometimes like in our house, when we downsized, we had tons of furniture and big things. So wall art, furniture, um, lots of baby stuff from when Cece was a baby. Yeah. So when we, we, when we downsized the house, back to that part from the beginning, there was way more that we had to get rid of than what you could just sort of take to ARC or uh, throw in a bagster or whatever. It was like, oh my gosh. It can furnish need... another house. We had enough stuff we needed to get rid of because we were going into a house that was just, just over half the size of our current house. So we had a lot to get rid of. So we actually hired an estate sale company. That's how much we got rid of to come in and just like, please just you know, try to sell it and get as much money as you can for it and, and yeah, do your thing. This is one of those stories of do your due diligence before you hire someone for this important moment of your life. Mm-hmm. We were a little, a little, I don't want to say swindled again. I feel like we were always swindled. We were definitely swindled. Nancy. <laughs> he promised us a certain amount and he didn't get that. He was very shady. It mm-hmm. went on for a really long time, months before we actually got paid. Yeah. And Dave had to go, go down there. Yeah. This guy named Sean. And, and, and so he, at first he misrepresented how much money we were going to get from the sale when it, and then he was weird about advertising it and it was sort of like he was trying to be hiding how he was going about it because we like left town one weekend and then he did the sale while we were gone i think he took the stuff for his own house but that's just my opinion oh we had some cool stuff to get rid of i mean why you know who could blame him so yada yada when i finally get from him how much money we're gonna get it's like it might be 10 to 20 percent of the money he kind of indicated we would get and i'm just like you and then when it came to getting the money this went two months after the sale and I'm finally, I'm still trying to get the money out of him, trying to get the money out of him. And finally I, I was fed up and this guy has a, a consignment shop, like a physical retail storefront location. So I was like, I'm gonna go down there and find this guy. So I walk in and there's like this little countertop storefront and then there's like a warehouse in the back. And there's this poor gal behind the counter and I come in and I'm like, is Sean here? And she's like, no, what do you need? And I was like, my name is Dave and Sean owes me money. And she's like, she's like, so I'm going Mr. T a little bit, the mobster thing, but not that Mr. T was a mobster, but I'm kind of sounding like Mr. T there. But she, she's like, you want me to call him? I'm like, yeah, you call him. You tell him Dave was here and he wants his money. And that painting sitting above your counter, that was in my dining room two months ago. (laughs) And Dave never acts like this. So he goes out to the car and he calls me and he said, okay, I just left. And he was really worked up. And then he starts laughing and he's like, this is what I said. (laughs) (laughs) This is not, this is, this is not an emotional place I can access easily, but, but Sean got me there by swindling us with the estate sale. But he did provide a check that I was able to come back and get. And I did not luckily have to interact with him. It was just there and I got to take it and go. And all of our stuff did get carried away and we didn't have to move any of it. And they did get rid of all our stuff. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. Okay. So let's put some actionable advice out for all of you. Anybody Mm -hmm. that's thinking about doing it. I mean, just start in a drawer, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to start big. You can start in a drawer, you can start in a closet, you can start in a room, anywhere that you feel like you walk in that area and you don't even want to look at it, you just shut it because you don't want to look in the, 
you don't want to open the door. You know, mm-hmm. any place like that, start there first. Sometimes it gets a little addictive. You'll go mm-hmm. in and you'll start looking and saying, oh my gosh, what is this? And and sometimes things bring back memories and you feel like you can't part with it yet. And that's okay. It's mm-hmm. kind of a Marie Kondo thing where she wants you to bring, it, she wants all of your pieces to bring joy and to thank them if you don't want them anymore. And we didn't go that far. Yeah, we didn't thank, we didn't like do some sort of ceremony with all this stuff. We're we just got. done with it. Like, oh, you, your time is done. Thank you. Okay. Right. We're good. But you can look at your things and say, okay, I'm not ready to part with that just yet. It has an emotional connection to me. And then just put it aside. But there are so many things that you'll find that you can get rid of very, very easily. And think about someone else that can use it. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking of. I, I thought these clothes that don't fit anymore, someone is going to get this for a dollar and they're going to love it. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel good in it and it's going to make them feel really comfortable. And they're going to feel like they found a really great item. Yeah. And that made me happy to do that. Yeah, and if you have something worth, that's worth some money, uh, we found great success with Facebook Marketplace. Mm-hmm. Bad it's- success with estate sale people. <laughs> Good success with Facebook Marketplace. That was amazing, and it was yeah. so fast. And everybody that we've interacted with on there has been so nice and kind. Yeah, we've had really good success and gotten decent money and quick results with right. that. Can't complain. Right. Yeah. And we still use that. We've used that in our new house. Um, mm-hmm. We had some chairs. We had um, some pillows, all sorts of things that we were able to kind of get rid of there. Mm-hmm. I think the main point for not only downsizing now, but for the future is the intentionality of the future, mm-hmm. right? So we don't want everybody to go back to this like if you get done and you get everything cleared out in two three years you don't want to go through and say how did i get here again by bringing more stuff into the house yeah so you want to have intention with what you buy mm-hmm. um so for target for example oh i love target there are moments especially during this time where it's kind of boring that i'm like i'm just think i'm just gonna go to target and i think about it and i think what will i get there mm-hmm. and there's nothing on my list we have all the food we need we have all the cleaning essentials um there is no there's no toy there's no school item there's nothing that i need yeah, and that, unless you did need something then maybe go but don't go just to just go just to go yeah. because you will be certain that you may end up with a, a cart full of items that you don't necessarily need because it's full of shiny objects you're be like oh that's cool i want that that's cool i want that just don't put yourself there don't right. do it yeah. and it's still fun to look and sometimes mm-hmm. if you just want to pass the time sometimes just going and looking um i know whenever i go to target and i'm in the aisle with one thing people look at me like i'm crazy like how can you leave here with one thing and no basket yeah well it's kind of or it's kind of like uh, when we take our daughter and she goes through the toy section it's like she's gonna fight and scratch to get us to buy her something right and even but even as adults like we are maybe a less extreme version of that as we look around at things and a little more self-controlled than a kid would be in a toy section but it's similar though it's like you have it's a hard time resisting just grabbing a bunch of stuff right yeah and if you have hobbies or something that you really enjoy doing I mean, of course, you want to have things to fulfill that joy in your life of having those hobbies. Like mm-hmm. um, Dave's mom loves quilting. Yeah, so she has like a whole room in her house full of fabric, but it's because she quilts all day, all the time, and she needs some inventory of stuff to for with which to quilt. So that's part of what brings her joy in life. Uh, and, and my dad, similarly, he... He's an artist that, that creates found object art. So he needs a big inventory of, I mean, for lack of a better word, junk, old cast off things that are just interesting looking so he can make his art with. So really this is this is about balance. You know, how much stuff is enough to be in balance? And for us, the story, for us, that story meant that we were out of balance and we didn't It was ever... causing anxiety and yeah. overwhelm and, mm-hmm. and all these negative things in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So if that relates to you and if you feel like that resonates with what you're feeling, I encourage you to go and just start small. Mm -hmm. Start in a drawer, start in a room. And I guarantee once that stuff is gone and you go back to that space again, I promise you that you won't feel it's it's crazy how it happens, but you won't feel that anxiety. It will mm -hmm. be gone. You'll mm -hmm. just feel like I don't have to take care of as much stuff. You'll you'll find more time and you'll wonder where the time came from. You'll feel like you should be doing something mm -hmm. because this time now is all of a sudden back into your life. Yeah. Um, so the intention of, of this podcast, the, the take home message, what will give you a meaningful life, allow you to survive, allow you to thrive but without all of the excess. Yeah. And it's okay to have an empty closet or an empty drawer. It's okay. <laughs> Until next time, have a great week. Mm -hmm.